Hello, Greyhound. This is Trap One. Do you read me? Over. Welcome to the Trap One podcast. Uh, my guest this week, as promised last week, is the sister of somebody from Doctor Who. Uh, and if I say that her name is Denise Sutton, that might give you a clue as to who we're talking about. Uh, so, welcome to the podcast, Denise. Hello, welcome. Yes, don't be fooled by the name, however. <laughs> uh, and how are you today? I'm pretty good, thank you. Beautiful sunny day and, um, well, I'm going to get to watch some Doctor Who, so that's always good, isn't it? It doesn't get any better than that. So. Not really, no. Well, I have a cup of tea as well, so everything that could possibly be fine is fine. Perfect. Uh, that's your Twitter handle, isn't it? Cup of tea, uh, at cup of tea. 69, at cup yes. Of tea 69. That's great. So yep. you're enjoying Series mm. 10 so far? Yes, I really am. I'm very much liking the relationship between the Doctor and Bill. The stories so far have been very well written, beautifully filmed, really, really interesting ideas coming out of them, and... Um, Interesting to see what is in the vault or who, I'm thinking what, and uh, just to find out what happens. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited about this series. It's making me happy. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really strong story so far. Um, I saw Edward Russell, the is the, the brand manager, I think, on Twitter um, early today saying that um, that his two favourites are the next two as well, four and five, he thinks are particularly strong, so... But it's uh, it's promising for for a good run, uh, and the vault as well. That's kind of taken a new twist uh, this week, hasn't it? Where it seems like um, it's, it's somebody in there, not something. Well, very powerful fists, whoever it is, because yeah. they are knocking very hard. So I don't know a who or a what. It could be either. Yeah, it's, uh, it would be a while before we find out. I suspect. I think you could be right. So you're in the UK at the moment, um, but you normally live mm. in Norway. Yes, that's right. I've been living there for 15 years now. It's um, a beautiful place. I live here, I work here, and very much enjoy the lifestyle. And um, what's it? What sort of profile does Doctor Who have over there? Is it is it sort of mainstream, popular, or...? Sadly not, no. It has very rarely been shown on um, normal TV channels here, although it is on cable. And um, you ask an average person in the street what a Dalek is, and they will have no idea. It's not part of the country's DNA at all. But um, if you go to certain events, like a few years ago, I went to see Neil Gaiman speak. There you'll see girls in Dalek dresses and people in TARDIS onesies and things like that. So there are fans here, but they're mainly younger students possibly they've encountered Doctor Who while studying overseas or something like that so it's but it's not mainstream not at all mm. although they do show the Stare Drain adventures in um on the children's channel ah, but right. they've never really shown Doctor Who yeah. so that's a bit strange yeah especially, I suppose especially ones where the Doctor shows up um mm. it's uh it's less of a big deal than uh, than it would be here and so they yes, show that yeah. the, with the show subtitled, or do they dub it over there? Um, apart from for very young children, mm. cartoons, of course, that are um, dubbed, but uh, everything else is subtitled, right. which is great. And when I first moved over as well, it was a great way to learn the language. I'd be watching an English programme with 
Norwegian subtitles, and I learned an awful lot that way. Ah, of course, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so it would be interesting to see how they would subtitle Doctor Who sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose there's a lot of words that there won't be a Norwegian equivalent for. Uh, so, um, as we alluded to earlier, um, you're the sister of somebody from Doctor Who. Uh, your brother was in the Shakespeare Code. That's right. Yes, he was. He um, he mainly works as a sound technician, but he also sometimes takes work as an extra. And he was offered the chance to work on Doctor Who. And, of course, he wasn't going to turn that one down. No. So you can see my brother, Chris, on in the Shakespeare Code, on the stage at the Globe, wearing a dress. Fantastic. I can try... <laughs> if you like, I can try and get a screen grab of, grab of it later on and uh, send it to you if you like. That would be perfect, yeah. I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes um, on the website. That would be great. Uh, so you... He was very proud, excited and really enjoyed doing it. So, uh... Fantastic. So was he on stage with David Tennant? Yes, he was, I believe. Was he? Yeah, with David Tennant also and... Uh... The main crew, yes, I believe so. Great. So is he, was it Doctor Who that he's worked on um, in, in the sound? or? No, he, he does mainly film work, actually, but oh. um, he has done some TV series. I think one of the ones that he did recently was um, he did the War and Peace. He oh, did that wow. one. And um, he's done quite a lot of other stuff, but oh. uh, he, he's got some really good memories from his times working in films and he sometimes lectures on the subject the first film he ever worked on he was in um goa making a film with um bert kwok oh, really? and, and chris was riding around on a moped with bert kwok on the back doing kato <laughs> impressions <laughs> That's yeah he's, he's got some really amazing yeah. stories about his work, which is uh, very, very interesting. Yeah. So. That recent BBC War and Peace I thought was excellent. I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. Uh, it was great. Yes. Yeah, he. it's not an easy job, I don't think, working in the film branch, especially with the uh, se shorter seasons, because you have to work a lot in the summer when they've got the day lengths. But uh, yeah. yes, I don't think he regrets his choice of career at all. No, no, it sounds like he's... Uh, yeah, he's uh, getting a lot of great experiences out of that. Yes. <laughs> well, every job has its moments, but yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, definitely enjoying uh, life. Brilliant. So whenever you're ready, we will start watching Thin Ice by Sarah Dollard. Yes, um, yeah, she's an interesting young lady as well, isn't she? She's worked on a lot of interesting things. Yeah, that's it. And uh, her um, second Doctor Who story after... Face the Raven in 2015. Which, um... Yes, I, I like that she's doing the period pieces and Face the Raven. I mean, it had a really interesting atmosphere and feel to it. Although it was modern day, of course, it was like being plunged back into a previous time of London. And here we are again in past time London. And uh... that's a, yeah, it's like she's taken Mark Gatiss's mantle a little bit. He, he started off doing the sort of historicals, didn't he? Um, and yes. that is uh, can now become her speciality. But the the um, so the BBC thing of just doing really sumptuous period work, isn't it? The uh, the costumes and the locations and everything they always look absolutely fantastic. And I think this this episode's another really good example of that. 
It definitely yeah, is, sure. yes. Okay, well, I'm looking at a big elephant. Right, I just uh, will press play um, in three... Sorry, no, it's buffering. I'll just be... One second. In three, two, one. Uh, so we're pressing play now if you are watching along at home. Uh, yeah, that elephant looks great as well, doesn't it? It's a beautiful beast, uh, it certainly is. Yeah. We're um, later this year um, from my wife's 30th, uh, we should go on a sort of holiday of a lifetime type thing to Thailand. One of the things we're going to do there is visit uh, an elephant sanctuary where it's oh, wow. been, that... uh, yeah, been rescued from sort of touristy places where they've been ridden and things like that. Um, and you get to wash them and feed them and, and that kind of thing. So absolutely can't wait for that. Uh, that would be uh, wonderful. Yeah, yes. Really looking forward to it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so they're back in the TARDIS. This, um, I, the first time I watched it, I thought he was trying to leave. I don't know how I picked this up wrong. I thought he was trying to leave, but the TARDIS wouldn't let him. But he's just reparking it on the bridge, isn't he? Um, so yes, that it's very not, sensible uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, obviously he's done his research, and um, he knows also that uh, River Song was at the Frost Fair in eighteen fourteen, one of the places she returned to her prison from. That's it. It's in it. a good man goes to war, isn't it? She says that the um, mm. that they've been ice skating there with uh, and Stevie Wonder yes. performed under Tower Bridge. I think it was. Um, there's also the book, the Twelfth Doctor book, Silhouette by Justin Richards, um, takes place during this same frost fair. So he knows very well that yeah. the 4th of February is the last day <laughs> of this frost fair. That's when all the ice starts to melt. But uh, it's like so, a Groundhog yes. Day type thing, isn't it? He can, uh, he can basically uh, <laughs> predict the, uh, the minute when it all, uh, all starts to crumble away. Yes, uh, and... Bill has just said she's low-key in love with the TARDIS, yeah. which is a good start, uh, um, yeah. compared to Clara and the TARDIS, of course, never really got on. Yeah, that was, uh, it felt like that didn't really go anywhere, didn't it? It's, it seemed like it was going to be more key mm. than, it, uh, than it turned out to be. I mean, and, with the whole thing of the impossible girl and her going back through the Doctor's timeline like she did, maybe that would be a good enough reason for the Doctor. yeah. For the TARDIS to have that animosity towards her. Yeah, that but, she's a, um, an anomaly. Uh, yes, but it has to be love me, love my TARDIS, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, it's can't a, have one without the other. No, that's it. It's a, it's a similar sort of time for the uh, uh, Madame Vastra, Jenny Strax sort of interactions this isn't it but mm. I thought they might get a mention in this episode but there isn't anything like that it seems like they've no, been no. Uh, I mean she's a little we usually see her a little bit later in um, in the century don't we but presumably she's been there for a while but. yeah the, the the book the silhouette that I mentioned that's set during the frost fair does feature those characters um so I thought I thought they might get a name check or something, but uh, I think they work better maybe with with Matt Smith's Eleven Doctor, Eleventh Doctor. I think Vastra became maybe a bit more of a sort of a mentor, confidant, whereas with the older, more mature Doctor uh, that we've got in Peter Capaldi, maybe doesn't uh, doesn't fit quite as well. Yes, I, I did really very much expect that they would turn up or at least get 
some kind of a mention that perhaps as this new season is a bit of a clean slate, they're uh, steering away from those sorts of things for now. Yeah. Particularly when you're in London, which is bustling metropolis, there's always a lot of different things going on. That's it. So, uh, yeah. You know, maybe he knows she's busy doing something else right now, so yeah. he doesn't bother her on this occasion. I wonder, I'm not sure, what, what sort of time are Jago and Lightfoot? Um, I wonder if they're, uh, if they're around at this time as well. I'm not completely sure, but again, I'm getting the sense that they're a little bit later in the century. Yeah, yeah I'm sure they are. They're they? more Victorian than... Yeah. Regency, yeah. Yes. This set is, looks absolutely fantastic as, as they walk mm. down um, onto the ice there. It really does. And this bit where um, Bill is stepping onto the ice for the first time. I mean, I don't know yeah. if you've ever walked across a frozen lake or any kind of frozen body of water. It yeah. is a bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. It is quite scary the first time you do it. So is that um, something you see a lot of? That in... is something that I could yeah. really relate to. So yeah. <laughs> obviously, living in a colder climate, the lakes do say, freeze, yeah. the fjord does freeze. It's. Uh... And so do people skate on those as well? Over there? Yes, yeah, there's skating and there's ice hockey and ice fishing and things, but because... It happens pretty much every year. They tend not to have fairs like this. Yeah. Although... <laughs> not quite as many <laughs> elephants. <fun>. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what the doctor's eating here, what that is supposed to be. No. Um, it looks no, there was, um, awful, whatever it is. One of the street sellers was calling something called um, Lapland mutton, and I was wondering what that was. Because yeah. Lapland is an area in the north of Norway and Finland. Right. And, but it's mainly reindeer up there. So I had a look and did some research, and apparently it was the jocular name for meat sold at the Frost Fair of February 2014, sorry, 1814 even, yeah. at the exorbitant price of one shilling. So um, oh. that's a really detailed piece of yeah. period detail. And um, whatever it was, <laughs> meat from an unspecified yeah. source. <laughs> But Certainly yeah. wasn't sheep from the north of Norway. <laughs> no, and it yeah looked particularly unappetising. That that was interesting. The I thought the bit that um, the doctor when they talked about the whitewashing, um, and mm. he says, um, "Well, neither was Jesus." It that uh, reminded me of Planet of the Dead when uh, the tenth doctor talks about Easter and he says, "Oh, if, if they knew what really happened." Um, so it uh, seems like another little clue that he was. Uh, he was around and saw what went on. Yes, uh, yes, well, yeah. Easter also, I mean, a pagan festival and before it was a Christian one too. Yeah. So, and then uh, getting the uh, the suspicious fish pies. Mm. Yeah, the, the inside of the pie, yeah, it's quite pink, isn't it? Yeah. I'm a vegetarian, yeah. but uh, ah. that doesn't look like fish in there to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but the well, they, they, they sort of uh, they turn out to be the the pilot fish, aren't they? That he's he's catching mm. of an evening, and left ambiguous as to whether they're alien or um, or have they merely evolved? Yes. Yeah, alongside the the beast. There, this is an interesting thread as well. I don't think it's really been picked up in Doctor Who before about the Doctor as a thief. Uh, you mentioned stealing the TARDIS. I mean, obviously we've heard that before. Um, mm. 
but uh, you, you know, saying about the seal and the pies there as well. Not... Oh, and look at that manic smile as well. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see that a couple of times this episode. Yeah. He's uh, he's great, isn't he? In, is. He's in a very interesting yeah. mood and having yeah. fun. Yeah. He's, he's much more avuncular now, isn't he, in, the, in this final series. Uh, I've enjoyed his performance throughout and the way it's developed. Uh, but he's, yes. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, I mean, he's always been very comfortable in the role, and obviously it's a role that he's always wanted to play. Yeah. So um, it's the little details, the manic smiles, the adjustments in his voice, you know, the fact that he can switch into pure Tom Baker if he wants to. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. excellent. They're just doing, just sort of delivering things not how you'd expect occasionally. There's, uh, I really liked last week when he, um, when Bill asked about his blood pressure. Uh, mm. The way he sort of just leans over and goes really high. It's uh, it's great. <laughs> so. And this sort of um, relationship is where he's a teacher as well. It's quite nice. It's a little bit like the Seventh Doctor and Ace, isn't it? Um, you always kind of got that that vibe. Yes. Yeah. Um, a strong young female deciding to adopt an older male figure as a teacher and a role model because she respects him absolutely and her respect is probably not that easily won. No. When when these things come up with someone like the Doctor, then yes, it always makes perfect sense and yeah. it makes for a very interesting dynamic. That's it. And and the way that she, she, she questions him and she's asking the questions that, that nobody's asked before, um, you know, about... How much did the TARDIS cost uh, and all this stuff? It's uh, it gives her a, again, yes. Gives her a really yeah. It's a little thing. bit like going back to Rose. I mean, previously, the the companions in the classic series, you always felt that they knew less than the average viewer knew. They were more naive for some reason. And yeah. So they would ask the Doctor the questions that the viewer already knew the answer to. But now, the companion is asking the questions that. Um, Never even thought of. If you yeah. would like to ask. Yeah. And then it, it sort of, I feel like it's taken up a notch in this episode. It's and a darker turn as well when she asks him uh, how many people he's seen die and then how many people he's actually killed. Um, yes. It's uh, it's not something you'd, you'd, you'd kind of think about, but it immediately sort of brings to mind. Um, for me, it, it made me think about the, uh, I suppose, the more controversial ones like In Vengeance on Varos. When the sixth doctor tips the the guy into the acid bath. Um, oh yes. Uh, and in dinosaurs on a spaceship, when he uh, he uh, blows Solomon up, doesn't he? Uh, yes. But uh, I'm sure, there's there's many more examples. Well, going back to the time war, I mean, yes, he has seen and been involved in the death of billions of people, but he yeah. has also saved billions of people. And, yeah, I mean, the shock of seeing the death of a young boy like that. Of course, Bill is going to be upset. How could she not be? Yeah, she really sells it. It's a it's a brilliant performance as well, I think. Really yes, yeah. I mean, you can see she is absolutely aching with rage. It's mm -hmm. an excellent performance. Because it is quite unusual to see a child die in Doctor Who. Um, yes. It is, it is quite shocking. There's the one that gets eaten at the start of um, school reunion, isn't there? That uh, 
the the headmaster uh, takes him to his mm. office. But uh, yeah, it is. It's still quite an unusual, yeah, kind of uh, dark turn. So. But on the other hand, it could be a public safety thing as well. If it stops one single child walking out on Absolutely. frozen water and falling in, in through it. the ice, then job done. Yeah, I always think it was one of the, the scariest deaths in the Orman trilogy. Is the um, is his, his brother or adopted brother falls in the ice. It's a while since I've seen them. I think it's in the Orman 2 when he's a teenager. Um, and he's sort of dragged along under the ice. It's uh, very claustrophobic and frightening. Yes, it must be a terrible way to go, and maybe it's better to get eaten quickly yeah. than to drown slowly and just be unable to reach the surface, even though you're just inches away. Yeah. But yes, now Bill is asking, have you ever killed anybody? Oh, the expression on her face. Yeah. These two are absolutely brilliant together, aren't they? Um, mm. And you can tell he doesn't want to have this conversation, but... Yeah. He's 2,000 years old. He has to. Yeah. That's it. I think these two are just going to... I mean, this all the stories so far of this series have been great, but they're so lifted by the dynamic... These two have so good. yes, uh, and and in the lighter scenes where they just have you know a bit of banter with each other, and then scenes like this, just because uh, that is how any relationship develops. You get your yeah. easy everyday conversation going, and then sometimes you have these moments of incredible intensity where you're really learning who the other person is. That's it. The luxury of outrage. Yeah, I think um, probably most fans watching at this point thought uh, that's going to come back to haunt him, isn't it? Because <laughs> well, yes, we've seen him outraged yeah. more than once or twice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fairly weekly uh, weekly occurrence, isn't it? The kids mm. are really good in yes, this as well. Is. I think there's uh, there's some good performances from the uh, from these kids. Oh yes, and I love that he gave the little girl his top hat, but he's acquired another top hat. Yeah. <laughs> nice work, and um, she does look very cute in it though, doesn't yeah. she? <laughs> I wish people still wore hats. Really, I uh, I can't really I can't really get away with a hat. I look I look silly in them, but I think if it was like this time when everybody wore them, mm. it'd be, it'd be easy, yes. to, easy to pull off somehow. Yeah, we have to wear them in the winter time here in Norway, of course, because it gets kind of chilly. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, David has a lot of hats, my other half. Mm. We've got a sort of console room style hat stand out in the hall covered in his hats. Oh, cool. I've, I've bought a few hats over the years, but then every time I put them on, my wife always tells me to take it off again. So uh, never quite <laughs> found the right one for me. I can wear any kind of hat except a baseball cap. If I put a baseball cap on, I look like little Jimmy Cranky. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm fine. <laughs> so what was the oh, first... He's handing out yeah. all of his stolen pies. Yeah. he's. Um, I noticed, because uh, I rewatched this this morning, um, there's a couple of times where he sort of uh, doffs his hat 
so he must have packed them in quite mm. tightly so that they weren't sort of spilling out when uh, <laughs> when he lifted it before. <laughs> I was going to say, what was the first Doctor Who story that you saw? How long ago? Um, well, I've, I'm quite old now. And I think my mum figured out from quite when I was quite young that she could put me in front of any kind of science fiction and I would be perfectly happy. So I think she put me down in front of the TV when Star Trek or Doctor Who was on and I would watch it. And so I think it's something I've always watched, but uh, got early memories, fairly scatty of um, the Pertwee era. And then um, can really remember from Tom Baker onwards very well. Um, one memory when I was about six years old and Genesis of the Daleks was on. And we were all in my primary school just sitting around talking about Davros and the Daleks. And it was like the best thing that we'd all ever seen in our lives. Just enjoying it so much. And it was a great story. I mean, lucky to see that and to have that as kids. Yeah, definitely. It's it's terrific. It stands up so well, I think, that one. Mm. An interesting thing, this story that um, the doctor was telling to the children just there yeah. about the tailor who chops off the thumbs of little children who suck their thumbs. Was that in a book or something, a collection of stories um, sort of collated and by Tom Baker or something in the 70s. I'm getting a strong feeling that it was. Ah, right. That he had one of these anthology store collections. And yeah. That, that was one of them. I could be wrong, but I got a strong mental connection with Tom Baker when I heard that story. So. Right. I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. That's... Uh... That's interesting because you do see those books. There's the the John Pertwee book of monsters, isn't there? And mm. Peter Davison's book of uh, alien planets Whatever it and was. things like that. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the uh, they do get attached to these things. Um, but no, mm. that would be uh, I'd be interested to look that up. That would be a nice little uh, a nice nod, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, it would. So I could be completely off base about that, but it just sort of made a leap in my mind when I. Yeah. Heard the story and I looked it up, but I couldn't see anything that was easy to find. But... Yeah. Oh, they've got these wonderful diving suits. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Mm. I was wondering if, because uh, often when you see these old style diving suits in movies and things, they have to have somebody operating a, like a bellows system, don't they? Um, yes. Above the surface. I wondered if they, uh, if there was somebody doing that that we didn't see or. Whether the cable oh, well, it looks back. like it's got some more high-tech equipment on the back. Yeah. But did um, John Pertwee have one of those in the Sea Devils as well? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. I wondered if the uh, if it sort of snakes all the way back to the TARDIS and um, maybe that was uh, pumping the air or something. I guess he got them out Could of the be. TARDIS. It wasn't really, uh, it's not really clear where he retrieved them from, was it? No, no, but um, yes, almost certainly yeah. the TARDIS. They do look great, though, don't they? It's exactly what you think of as a, mm. as a diving suit. Uh, they're really old-fashioned. Uh, and you can tell that the uh, the communication device that was implanted into their ears in the previous story is no longer there because she had fling something at him. Yeah, I wondered about that last week, whether it would only work 
on the on that planet, or whether it was something that would uh, that would link them permanently. It would have been handy, wouldn't Which it? Which would be would have been handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All these underwater scenes are very beautiful as well. They are, aren't they? Uh, really nicely done. Mm, so kind of beautifully and, lit, and yeah. the sounds as well. Yeah. Reminds me of the groan of the beast in that Torchwood episode where they're harvesting it for meat while it's still alive. Yeah, it made me think a, a little bit of that, um, about sort of using an alien in, the, in that sort of way, mm-hmm. as, the, uh, as the villain in this one does. You never quite see a full shot of this, uh, this creature, do you? You never... It really no, gives well, a if sense it's about of, a mile long... Yeah, <laughs> you never. I suppose uh, it gives a sense of the the size of it that you you never see even its full face in one shot. Uh, so if uh, if it'd still been here when the Scarrison uh, made its way along the Thames in terror of the Zygons, uh, it would have uh, the Scarrison would have been dwarfed by it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, it would have been a Japanese monster movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> I wondered if um, if the Doctor might make a reference to that, uh, about there being a monster in the Thames again. Did I see on Twitter that you uh, met Ian Marta? Talking about I Zygons. have, yes. Yeah. I was lucky enough to meet Ian Marta a couple of times at some conventions in the 1980s, and he was an absolutely charming man. Liked him very much indeed. He, he he comes across like that, doesn't he? Uh, when you hear people um, talk about working with him mm-hmm. and things, it's, uh... yes. I mean, um, you know, you queue up and get your autographs, and everybody is usually very nice. But then he had this extra charm about him as well. You know, he was just so very pleased to meet people and talk to the fans, and he took time to pose for photographs. At a time when it was perhaps a little less common. Now, of course, everybody wants a selfie, but yeah. back then it was like some, you had your you had your little camera and you took your photo, and then you yeah. had to get it developed and hope that it was all right. Yeah, that's it. I had to send yeah. the film off and hope it didn't get lost, and then wait for it to come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then be slightly yeah. disappointed and have absolutely no means whatsoever to edit or improve what came back from Boots or wherever. This that was is what it. you were stuck with. I um not like now. I met John Pertwee when I was a kid, uh, and my mum took a photo of us in this hotel lobby. Um, again, 30, oh, wow. that sort of thirty-five mil camera, but with the the doors to the hotel behind us, so we're almost completely silhouetted. Um, so it's just two figures. Uh, you can see his sort of shock of white hair. Um. Uh, and I've tried. You can lighten it a little bit and just about make out who it is, but it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's something I've always sort of regretted not not realizing that at the yes. time and, and turning round or anything. No, it is such a shame when uh, that happens, but you've still got yeah. the memory of meeting the man. Absolutely, yeah. It's only about yeah. two months before he died as well. Um, I think it was in about the March nineteen ninety six, and I think he died in the May, so it was. Um, quite a shock when he okay. died. You know, he'd been like two months before seeing him, absolutely larger than life, just amazing raconteur and everything on stage mm. with all his stories. Uh, 
I, I've never met him. I did see him doing the um, Doctor Who stage play. Ah, right, the, the Ultimate the Adventure. Theater. Yes, that's it. I saw him doing that and then saw Tom Baker do, Colin Baker doing it a while later. So Fantastic. Uh, I think Big Finish have, mm. have made um, a CD, haven't they, with Colin Baker doing it as well. It was quite a show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a nice scene so, we're up to now is where the uh, the Doctor and Bill have infiltrated the the yard where the uh, mm. the the beast product is being uh, kind of uh, yes, packaged. Yes, and, and um, Bill has clearly figured out what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a nice moment that, yeah, she's wishing she's got some uh, one of those little antibacterial mm. bottles with her or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think they should be standard issue for what yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I mean, the Doctor is being very clever here. And mm. um, I think people have tried to play these tricks on me, you know, in my line of work. Yeah. What, <laughs> so, do you do? Uh, what do you do? Um, I work uh, for the European Union, ah, so, yeah. <laughs> sort of semi-diplomatic connections, and um, yes, sometimes people might try and plump you for information in this way. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> see, these are very much um, interesting tricks that this man is, of course, falling for. Tell someone they're intelligent, and they yeah. will want to prove it to you <laughs> at whatever cost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Capaldi's really great at these sort of scenes, isn't he? So, he does so much yes. of it. I was uh, earlier Thousand. today um, watching the, uh, they, they, there was a repeat on one of the Sky channels of Mummy on the Orient Express. Um, oh, right, yes. I'd completely forgotten that um, the villain in that Gus has been completely unresolved. Um, it'd be nice if by the end of, of, of this final series, maybe Gus made a comeback because there's still a Jamie Matheson episode to show. Uh, you know, that would be interesting. Yeah. And I always thought that he was very much like um, Max from um, the Starship. I want to say Starship Titanic, but that's not right, is it? The the one with Kylie Minogue on it. Oh yeah, Max Capricorn. Um, yes. Yeah. They seem such similar villains. Could they be brothers or yeah. cousins or something? Yeah, maybe he's uh, uh, wants revenge for for what happened to to Max. It's John Sessions that does the voice as well, I think, wasn't it? Of course. Okay. Yes. Oh, I like him. And this is where we meet the villain of the piece. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, still, uh, they're still thinking it's an alien. Um, which is, uh, it's kind of, he's got, he's got knowledge of the, the sort of format of the show, hasn't he? That it's, uh, it's always an alien. <laughs> mm. But of course, it isn't. No. This, this bit reminded me a little bit when he's, uh, the doctor's uh, insisting that he handles the, uh, the, the, the questioning. It reminded me of the sixth doctor. The, the line when he says, this is a, a situation that requires uh, tact and finesse. Naturally, I am, uh, mm. fortunately, I am blessed with both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that. Oh, it's, yes. That's how it's done. Yeah. 
it's a, it's a great setup to it, and then uh, and then a brilliant moment. Uh, and the the Doctor Disco thing as well uh, is nice. Mm. It's like the uh, some of the other Doctor doc- Disco. Yeah, <laughs> the way he pronounces it. <laughs> Yes, he certainly reminds us of a few uh, characters that get trotted out on television from time to time, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty vile. Mm. Yeah, I recognise yeah. the actor, but I, I couldn't place him. Uh, I looked on IMDb. He is, is Nathan Barley. Yeah, he's been a lot of things, largely comic roles as well, hasn't he? It's. Uh, Yes, I hadn't seen him before, but I was reliably informed. Yeah. Yes, but he plays this part very well. He's got the uh, upper-class entitlement down pat. He must have been watching a lot of uh, David Cameron speeches. Yeah, Yeah, he's very, very hissable, isn't he? Interesting that the the Beast's been there a long time as well. Mm. It's a nice because uh, this is the the sort of explanation of why this is the last frost fair, isn't it? That uh, that it never happens anymore. Yes, yes, they never want it to happen, and uh, of course there are other other reasons as well. The redesign of London Bridge, yeah, stopped the Thames from freezing that far that far down the river. Ah, right. I actually grew up by the Thames in Reading. That's oh. my hometown. And I only saw it freeze up there once. That was in 1987. Very cold winter. Yeah. But, um, Did you walk on it? No. No, I just uh, fed the ducks every day because yeah. they seemed a bit hungry, but they seemed to be having fun playing on the ice floes and things. Yeah. So. <laughs> Didn't really want to risk it. This speech is excellent as well now as uh, mm. as the uh, the doctor talks about the the value placed on life, and he just shows his true colours once again. Yeah, that's it. Because I suppose the uh, the the temptation is to you know kind of dismiss him as a product of his time. But it is absolutely laid bare to him what he's doing, uh, and that he just doesn't yeah. care. This is the uh... and his his kind does persist. I mean, you see them today everywhere. Okay. So uh, he's he's the one percent. Yeah. In Regency times. So okay. Bill is uh, very much. Yeah. Made up after hearing the doctor's speech and seeing him thump somebody for being racist. Yeah. You know, she's understanding more the measure of the man who, yes, has seen many people die. Yeah. And has even caused the death of a few people, but has lived a long time and knows what's important. That's it. Because it was the, the, the actual moment when he punches Sutcliffe is in the trailer. Um, and seeing out of context, it seemed a little bit shocking. The doctor just kind of lamping somebody like that. Um, I haven't seen it for a while. Uh, when did the doctor actually last thump somebody? The, yeah, there was a. I was uh, the conversation was a conversation on Twitter with somebody today when they were asking this, and 
The only one I could think of, well, he meant the, I can't remember who it was uh, on Twitter, but they mentioned the Seeds of Death. She's got, no, sorry, the Seeds of Doom. Uh, she's obviously going mm. back quite a while. Tom Baker um, thumps somebody. And I said, um, in the City of Death as well, when he travels back I think back you're to, right. Uh, I think he, um, he thumps somebody in Leonardo, the City of Death yeah, as Leonardo well. Leonardo da Vinci's studio, the guard comes in and mm. he sort of tricks him into... Uh, didn't he put his sword in the thumb screws or something like that uh, and then chins him? Uh, but yeah, it's not something that we've seen in the new series particularly. No, I mean, no. No more of a Venusian Aikido either. No, I think uh, the 12th Doctor does try it, doesn't he, in uh, The Robot of Sherwood, um, but seems to have lost the knack. <laughs> <laughs> And now we get to have a look at Bill's absolutely beautiful boots. Oh, I would not mind yeah. a pair of those. <laughs> not sure if they'd be quite you, but uh, yeah, I would wear those very definitely. Mind you, the doctor's yeah. boots aren't bad either. No. Wearing Doc Martins, I think. But, uh, yeah, they've been part of the costume from the start, as it mm. the different iterations. Yeah, he's always yeah, got quite a quite a nice pair Although, of boots. Although, actually, Doc Martins are terrible on ice and snow. They've got no grip whatsoever. Ah, right. You're better off with Timberlands, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wonder, you might be slightly ahead of me here. So, I've just had Bill kick the sonic screwdriver... Across. Yeah, maybe I am a couple of seconds yeah. ahead then. So that was the uh, yeah. the boots, and then the uh, the pilot fisher drawn to the mm. the sonic screwdriver reminded me of the uh, the shark in um, the Christmas Carol. It was drawn oh, to yes. the sonic screwdriver as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Then, uh, it ate half of it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this it time the doctor eaten. escapes with his sonic screwdriver intact. That's it. There's a couple of times where it nearly uh, <laughs> goes uh, goes into the mm. ice with a with a victim, doesn't it? And he uh, he rescues it both times. Yes. I'm not as keen on this sonic screwdriver as the last one. It did. The last one looked more more like a tool, I suppose. This one looks looks more like a toy. Mm. It's it's a little bit more um, the grid or the buttons on the side of it. It's a bit more um, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. It's more of a toy than a tool. Yeah, a bit more showy. Yeah. Mm. These are great. The uh, the nicknames here: the not so little mermaid, the lockless monster. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> And I suppose this is a slight callback to Kill the Moon now, where the companion yeah. has to decide as representative of the human race. Yeah, very much It doesn't so. take quite so long this time to reach the decision. No. And uh, and the same decision as well. It's almost like uh, testing the metal of a companion, isn't it? Mm. If in doubt, let the beast live. Yeah. And and sort of quite different to the beast below when it is very much the doctor that makes the decision. Um, he's influenced by Clara in that, isn't he? No, not Clara. It's Amy. Yes. Um, yeah, he is. But he does say, "This is on my head. This is my decision." In that one, um, mm. 
it's, but fortunately uh, the beast is yeah. sentient and quite likes yeah. doing what it's doing let's uh, get everybody off the ice mm. a lot of extras in this one isn't there it's uh you know, the last two stories have been been quite uh, more sort of contained, yeah, small smaller cast. cast. Yeah. Uh, this one has a real sense of scale. A lot of people out on on the ice. Really, really nice set and everything. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's attention beautiful. Attention to detail. Yeah. I like this that you don't see what the doctor's up to at this point. Uh, you mm. see from you see it from Bill's point of view. Uh, so his plan only becomes clear uh, when the uh, the plunger when Sutcliffe puts the plunger down on the explosive. Yes, so he knows it's going to work underwater. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, it burns underwater. I hadn't made that connection. Yeah, great script like that. All the, uh, mm. the the details paying off. I wondered if the the elephant would come back and play a part in the finale. Um, you know, having been introduced earlier on there, sort of a Chekhov's elephant. Fortunately, it wasn't around when the water fought. Yeah. Although they can swim, of course. Yeah. This is a great sort of uh, and Lord moment now, yeah. Gets his just desserts. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And the doctor's uh, swam quite a long way there, hasn't he? Because he they said this was a mile from the uh, from the mouth end of the the creature. Mm. Actually, how does he get his sonic screwdriver back at this point? Because he's left That's it there. That's a good question. To attract. I mean, what's he pulling up now? Yeah. The, uh, the TARDIS can make new ones that Will can't. I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, there's, the, there's a little thing it pops out of yeah. in the console. <laughs> yeah, because he has lost that one then. Yeah, the tent collapses there. With is, the, what is he pulling up yeah. now, though? Um, I there it is. Might be pulling it up on a piece of string. Ah, right. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm still a little bit behind. He's just pulled Bill out. In uh, where I am. Okay. Yes, well. he does. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Always thinking ahead. There we go. We <laughs> mm. saw somebody on Twitter had put a picture of uh, the Doctor and Bill getting soaked at that point, uh, saying, "Oh, Heather's back." <laughs> <laughs> Who that was to uh, to credit them, but uh, made me chuckle. And this is a, a nice ending as well, a nice neat ending. It where really is. He yes. even even rehomes the the orphans here <laughs> with a little bit of judicious forgery. Yeah. <laughs> Which we saw at the Curse of Fenric. The Doctor uh, is a, a he forges the signatures in that, doesn't he? Of the is it Churchill and whoever to, uh, to yes, get the passes does, yeah. onto the one base? One with his yeah. left hand, one with his right. Yeah, I love that bit. I love the Curse of Fenric. Mm. It's, it's one of my all-time favourites. 
So maybe he'll have a word with Madame Zastra and ask him to check on ask her to check in on the kids from time to time and check they're okay. Absolutely, yeah. These could be and her, I'm sure uh, she'd threaten to eat them yeah. misbehaved. <laughs> they could be her uh, sort of um, Baker Street regulars uh, yep. version of those, uh, can't they? And here comes Nardola <laughs> putting a bit of coffee in the tea. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever tried that? That's actually quite nasty. Yeah. I don't like tea Number or one coffee. Tip, actually. Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then this study is is a beautiful set as well, isn't it? Lovely office. It is, uh, yes. When they were materialising there, sort of, again, it doesn't look like 21st century Earth at all. It's uh, out yeah. of time. But he's still wearing his Regency costume. fits in perfectly. It does, doesn't it? Very nice. Yeah, also, <laughs> the Frost Fair involved a lot of day drinking. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many other unusual events have been explained away by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who or what is in there? Wonder, what or who, yes. Yeah. I wonder how many trips Nardole's going to get in the TARDIS this series. It seems like he's, uh, his, his role is maybe going to be more to, to stay back and keep an eye on the vault. But uh, I, did, I did enjoy but, the three of them together in the pilot. Yes, so yes, that uh, was good. Hopefully, I'll um, get to go if out into the, the doctor. Other. Isn't supposed to go up oh. off world. Mm. It sounds as if he feels duty bound to be there. If the uh, if the doctor is going to have the occasional adventure, yeah. And he's uh, yeah. Nardole's role's changed a bit, hasn't it, since the the return of Doctor Mysterio? Uh, mm. It does seem like there's an element of, well, presumably the doctor telling him to uh, to try and dissuade him from leaving. Yes, uh, and also clearly he's worried about about their task. Yeah. Whereas the doctor, I, I quite like that last week when he said, uh, just, uh, he said, I've thought about it, but uh, it's, uh, it's a worry, so he just tries not to. Something along those lines. Yes, so what is behind the door? Yeah. It knocks three times, not four times. Yeah, that was my first thought as well. Um, Knocks very hard. Th yeah, so yeah. either a very powerful human or uh, something yeah. more powerful than a human can be. That's a, it's a yeah, it's a big old set of doors, isn't it? They're uh, quite mm. substantial. And it's yeah, when because Nadal says, doesn't he? What has he told you? So it's it is like the Doctor would, uh, if it is if it is the Master, for example. Somebody that mm. you would, uh, you know, he's a friend in a sense that you might talk to and share things with. And then next week's episode looks yes, very it looks spooky, very doesn't it? Interesting. Mm. A good haunted house story. Yeah. And Doctor Who does do that well when yeah. he does them. Yeah, Hyde. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I enjoy Hyde. Was That's that a good one. David Suchet? Yeah. Just been watching him in, uh, oh, what was it called? Decline and Fall, the uh, uh, BBC adaptation of that. Yes, uh, the Evelyn Warnall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he played a very good part in that as well. So. 
So a quarter of the way through the series already. I know. It's going so fast, but it's a very good one. And I've enjoyed watching each episode at least twice. So uh, bodes well for the rest of the series, I think. Looking forward to seeing some more of Bill. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's after the first one even. I felt like starting to feel nostalgic for this era already, just knowing that it's only one series with these two. Um, I think it makes you really enjoy and, and savour it. Yes, definitely. It's so good, um, so good together. Uh, so any um, yes, it is a shame that Peter Peter Capaldi is coming to the end of his tenure as well, but. Uh, it is. Any? Do you have any any picks for the Thirteenth Doctor? I really don't. I mean, I've heard the rumours, and um, I mean, there is a wealth of talented young actors who could play the Doctor very well indeed. Um, I have quite an open mind. Um, I don't think I would hate any of the names that have been mooted so far. I think I would go with it. Yeah, um, I feel like it's um, it tends to be the ones that are mooted are, are often not uh, turn out not to be the the final choice, don't they? Peter Capaldi seemed to come into the running fairly late last time, or somebody who was who was talked about, um, you know, because it was uh, Rory Kinnear, wasn't it? Who really yes. early on was the uh, was everyone was convinced it was going to be him, and Chris Marshall seems to be the Rory Kinnear. Um, of uh, of the thirteenth Doctor, so it will yeah it will mm. be interesting. And no idea I how far he, away he they could are. Int- he could be quite an interesting Doctor. I think. I mean, he has got great comedic ability. Yeah, Chris Marshall. And and so as a contrast to Peter Capaldi, who does comedy but with in a different way. I think yeah. a gentler person it would be. It wouldn't be bad, not at all. Um, no, I've enjoyed him. But then, on the I've other hand, I would see, I would enjoy seeing. I would have seen enjoyed seeing Rory Kinnear as the Doctor as well. I think he's got some lovely qualities, and of course, you look at him and see his father as well. Yeah, Roy Kinnear, who's one of my favourite character actors, and it's always great to see him in those old series. Like when he turns up in the Avengers and yeah. in other shows, it's just one of those actors you have a real warm feeling towards. And I think he has Rory Kinnear has enough of that as well to uh, to really create a very very lovable Doctor. Absolutely, I think. I'd, but I, maybe I, that ship has sailed. Yeah, I suppose he's because um, he's got Bond and a lot of different things, hasn't he? It's. Um, mm. It's it's that thing of it. It's somebody who can, at this point in their career and their family life, move to Cardiff for a few years, and that's the, uh, you know, seems to be one of the factors. Um, but I'd like somebody to to stay a bit longer. Um, yes, you, I you think know. I would too. It's almost becoming a fixed term. Yeah. And um, you know, it's a posting, and then you go back and do other things instead. It would be nice if people could stay longer or even stay shorter. If, if that suits them and it suits their character. I would have liked to see another year of Matt Smith, I think. Yeah, I would too. I felt like in his final year he was still doing interesting new things with it, um, with the character. Yes. Um, I mean, he told Amy Pond's story and he started to tell Clara's story, but he never really told his own story. And I felt 
there was a bit of a lack, you know, with David Tennant, he had that season of specials where he was on his own and yeah. that worked so well. But um, I think, yeah, with yes. David, David Tennant, the 10th Doctor, he had a, a different companion each season. It sort of made uh, made his era feel longer in a way and, and like, you know, more defined into different uh, kind of different eras within the era, I suppose, um, in the same way that, uh, you know, sort of John Pertwee and Tom Baker had, went through three different companions and each brought different things to it. Um, I think it's good for a, a doctor's longevity to have, uh, you know, to keep, keep having different companions. Um, yes. So it'd be, uh, I haven't said that. I'd, I'd, I'd watch, uh, definitely watch a few more series of Peter Capaldi and, and Pearl Mackey together. Uh, I think it's one of the all-time great pairings. Already, so far, yeah, so good. So, yeah. Very definitely. Um, but she uh, she isn't afraid to ask the unusual questions, and um, she uh, she's got such a beautiful, expressive face as well. She does just just very real and, and natural in 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 every situation. Yeah, yeah, she's absolutely stunning, and. Um, but that doesn't define her. There's a lot more to her. She's not just been hired to be a pretty face. She's got this real intensity about her as well and a lot of intelligence. Absolutely. I'm sure she's going to have a huge career post-Doctor Who as well. Very definitely. Yeah. Yes, she's uh, she's got... A, I mean, you've seen all these different facets that she's already expressed just in three short episodes, been through so many emotions with her, and she handles it all so brilliantly. Absolutely. And then, um, yeah, so and, and back on Contemporary Earth next week as well, so that'll um, be uh, bring another dynamic to it. So she's moving in with some other students, and uh, so, yeah, it'll be, uh, be very interesting. Yeah, so also she's moving away from her foster mother as well, so there's less of a family element in her life than that being in some of the other companions. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's great. Anything else on, on Thin Ice? I think I've exhausted all the notes that I'd made as we went through um. that. No, I mean, I thought it was a great story and um, well done, Sarah Dollard. She really can write very atmospheric stories indeed and create a world, create a landscape. Um, very much so, yeah. I think it's a shame if the, the rumours about Chris Chibnall bringing in all new writers in um, for the next series is true. Um, it feels like... Sarah Dollard and, and Jamie Mathis and Pete, Peter Harness, people like that, who were you know relative newcomers, um, you know, still got a lot of great stories to tell. Uh, it's a shame if they're not brought back in the new in the um, next year as well. Yes, I mean, we we've seen it. I mean, Doctor Who having the history and complexity and continuity that it has. I think you start writing for a show like Doctor Who almost at your peril. There is so much to absorb yeah. of the history of the show. And if you've got people who can do it and they come with new good ideas, then you'd have to be crazy to turn them down, surely. That's it, yeah. Hang on to them, absolutely. And then yes, and I... also they're all potential showrunners, I guess, for, uh, you know, in the future, whenever Chibnall uh, decides to hang up his hat. 
Yes, it would be great if there could be somebody who could really get embedded into the mythology of the show in a way and um, keep it going. But uh, at the same time, yes, bring in new writers, bring in fresh blood as well. But uh, the show has a history and um, it's great when that is explored and when that is touched on again. And you do need to have regular writers. You can't expect to have fresh new blood come in who has all of that in the back of their head already. No, absolutely. It'd be interesting. Next week, it's a a first time writer, isn't it? Mike Bartlett. Um, who wrote um, Dr. Foster that was on last year. Uh, it's his first Doctor Who, so uh, it'd, be, it'd be very interesting to see that. Yes, I mean, not every story, of course, has to touch on everything that's gone before with the Doctor or even anything that can have a standalone episode. But, uh, yes, um, ghost stories, always an interesting idea. Um Lots of other series have done that, haven't they? Yeah, and, um, that's it. Um, and and as you say, yeah, there's a there's a good pedigree in Doctor Who with uh, I think the Ghost Light and uh, um, Image of the Fendal. Those those kind of things have all played on uh, imagery and ideas of haunted houses, haven't they? So yes. Good. Yeah. And um, as you said, Hyde. Mm. That was a very good one. Thank you very much for joining me there. Um, I hope that's been okay for you. Yes, that was absolutely great. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Mark. Um, so um, anyone can follow you on Twitter at Cup of T69. That's me. I'm at Trap1 underscore. Um, also on Facebook, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Um, and um, if you don't mind leaving a review, that would be fantastic. I don't think we've had any yet. Tune in next week when I will be discussing Knock Knock with another guest co-presenter. Thank you very much.